0: Want to welcome every one of you those watching online as well to our service this morning. Want to get into the word, but I want to say, you know, you need to come uh, for church camp because that's where we have set aside 3 days of spending time in the presence of God and yet at the same time to build bond, to bond with each other. Some of us uh, only fellowship with the back of somebody's head <laughs> in church. All right? So we need to get together so that God can do something good in all of our lives. Amen. Bond us together. We need one another. God said this, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good. God said it. I didn't say it. God said it. He was not just talking about husband and wife. He's talking about us getting together. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake yourself, the gathering together of believers. Amen? Because when you, for, when you don't do it, then you're forsaking the benefits that come from fellowshipping with one another. I, I love to be with people. Amen. Not all of the time, but I mean, (laughs) all right. And I always say, come and visit us. You know, come and visit us in Sungai Pelai. But please don't all come at once. (laughs) Okay, all right. Uh, I'm I'm going through a little bit of a struggle health-wise, but I mean, I'm I'm good. I'm fine. And so, Pastor Laifan is really. putting the screws on my diet. Uh, how many of you love Subway sandwiches? Oh man. I, I love Subway sandwiches. Guess what? Cannot. <laughs> what should I skip at, sun, at Subway if I'm trying to eat healthy? I began to look out. I, I, I don't want to skip Subway. So what can I skip? The ingredients to avoid white bread, pepperoni, salami, roast beef, ham, bacon, American cheese, ranch dressing, mayonnaise, barbecue sauce, garlic, I'm more of a Homer Simpson kind of burger guy, you know, dripping burger kind of thing. I mean, like, sometimes we go by and say, can I get a rumbley burger? <laughs> dripping with onions, okay. What should I have? Healthiest thing to put in a sandwich. Egg. Fish. Reduced fat cheese. Legumes at least one vegetable and fruit filling reduce fat cheeses that's not a sandwich man that's medication <laughs> now the title of my message this morning is it's all about the filling it's all about the filling and my text is taken from 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 now I'm doing a Bible study uh, on the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in chapter 12, continued in chapter 14, so these are the two chapters that deal with the gifts of the Spirit, sandwiched inside. The filling is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How many of you know what 1 Corinthians 13 is? It's a chapter of love. Sandwiched between the two is the chapter of love. In other words, you can have all these great and mighty miracle giftings that God gives to his people, and you can you know, speak in tongues and the tongues of men and angels and all of that. But if you do not have love inside this sandwich, you are like a big sounding gong. That's all you are, just, a, just an empty vessel. So it's all about the filling. Now, here are three different things that the Lord gives us and it actually is a description of what the Christian life should be like. Rejoice evermore is the first thing. Rejoice ever. Now, that these three things are almost impossible to do. Rejoice evermore. Paul is actually writing to a church that was going through tremendous persecution and they were all looking forward to Jesus come uh, Jesus coming to rescue them and so they had all kinds of theory as to how Jesus was going to come and so Paul began to write this letter to them because a lot of people when they go through difficult situations they have an escapism kind of a mentality how do we escape from this all, this whole thing? Now, if you have heard my Bible studies, I do not believe that God wants us to escape from this world. God did not create a world that he's going to destroy. If God destroyed this world, then God has failed in his mission of creating a good world. Come on. Are you all hearing me? Oh, we are all going to escape. He's going to come and take us all away. We are going to escape. Just recently, there was an article written in how the Lord's going to come secretly. Why must God come secretly? Why does He need to come secretly? He is the Lord. Sometimes people teach in Pentecostal churches, we must pray in tongues. Because when we pray in tongues, then the devil will not understand what we are praying. Have you ever heard that kind of teaching? We need to pray in tongues so that the devil will not understand. Why? I want the devil to understand what I'm praying. Hello? Some of you are going, what's Pastor talking about? We don't want the devil to know. Why? We must let him know so that he can become nervous. Because he can know that we believe in a God who is greater than him. That we are not afraid. Come on. We have to live with that kind of a life. So these are the three things that he says should describe the believer. They are always rejoicing. Rejoicing always. And so he writes even to the Philippian church where he had been in prison. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord. Huh? When things go well. Always. And again I say Rejoice. He writes about the Corinthian church, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 2. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in, their, in a severe test of affliction, their abundant joy, And their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. In other words, he's saying, man, in the midst of all the suffering this church went through, they were rejoicing abundantly. Not just rejoicing, but rejoicing abundantly and also giving As They were poor. They they had been stripped of everything, but out of their poverty, they collected whatever they could in order to send forth for missions. That's the spirit that we're all supposed to have. Now, when we look at that, we go, man, this is so difficult. How can I rejoice in always? How can I rejoice always? That's the first command. Now, the next one is, in everything, give thanks. So, we heard, we got the news that Keith's mom fell on the stairs, bleeding, rushed to the hospital. Oh, but the Bible says, brother, brother, please listen. The Bible says in everything, you, you you must thank God. Thank God, brother. Just rejoice and thank God because this happened. Thank God for everything. Brother, for everything, you must thank God. When we go through suffering, oh, just thank God, brother. Just thank God. Now, let me ask you, is that what God is saying? No, he's saying this. He says, in everything, give thanks, not for everything. You know, sometimes I hear people, Pentecostals, sometimes they, they say things they don't really think. Let us pray. Let, you know, the guys talking. I remember listening to this preacher. This man went to the railway station with his son. And he left his son there and he told his son, son, stay here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He left his son there. Praise the Lord. Everybody praise the Lord. The man left his son there, man. Praise the Lord. And then he went away, he told his son, just wait here son, I'm coming back. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Three days the boy waited, the father did not come back. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. That's not what God is saying. It's foolishness. We don't praise God for the things that the enemy gives to his people. For what the enemy is doing to mankind. We don't say, Lord, we praise you in everything. We praise God in everything, not for everything. What do I mean by this? Kevin's mom had a fall. She's in the hospital. Praise God that we've got a people that we can turn to and we can say, Lord, we thank you that we can turn to you. We thank you. We've got a group of people to join us in prayer so that we can pray for a healing. In every situation, give God thanks. Come on, amen. It's difficult to rejoice always. It's difficult to give God thanks in everything, but we thank God. Aren't you glad you've got a God that who, who hears and answers prayer? A God who is alive and wants to get involved with us. Aren't you glad? So even in our worst circumstances, somebody passed away. My son... Uh, A a boy has gone away from the home. Lord, I thank you that I can turn to you because I believe that in you, Lord, me and my household shall be saved. They can run away. They can do whatever they want. But I thank you, God, in every situation, I can thank you because you are still alive and in absolute control over my family. I thank you that I dedicated my child to the Lord so I know that you will watch over my child. Come on in every situation. In every situation. So no matter what we go through, we can thank God that we have Him or we have other people to support us and there are so many other good things that are happening in our lives. You know, I think it was Martin Luther who was going for a meeting and when he came to the meeting, he came in very late and they He looked like he was, you know, bruised all over, and they asked him, what happened to you? He says, I was coming, and somebody robbed me. And he said, I thank God that it was me who got robbed and not me who was robbing. Come on, amen. That I was the one who got robbed and not somebody else who was, you know, thank God I got robbed and not I, robbing people. In every situation, we can give God thanks. Can I hear amen? But the thing that helps us through it all is this one thing. Pray without ceasing. It's all about the feeling. How do I rejoice always? How do I give God thanks In everything, it says here, pray without ceasing. He writes the same thing to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. How do I rejoice? How do I become patient in tribulation? What does he say? Be constant in prayer. The more praying, the more rejoicing. The more praying, the more gratitude in my heart. Come on, let me hear an amen. Prayer gives a channel for all the pent-up sorrows that are within my soul. At the same time, the more rejoicing, the more praying. The more praying. Psalm 16, verse 11. You have made me to know the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So, we're talking now this morning about praying without ceasing. What does it mean to pray without ceasing? Well, for one, it does not refer to phonetics. In other words, it does not refer to me praying loudly all of the time. That's not what he's talking about. Can you imagine you walking around all of the time, or you're meeting a friend, and then you're talking with your friend a little while, and then you go, Oh, yes, well, hallelujah, Lord, I thank you. And you would be ridiculous. Don't be a ridiculous Christian. He calls us to be a special people, amen. Not weird people. Can I hear an amen? So when he's talking about praying constantly, he's not talking about phonetics. Talking about us using our voices loudly. It's not talking about our position, how we pray. Some people believe that you must kneel. I cannot. I've got small, weak, bony knees and it hurts when I kneel, I can kneel a little while, but then quickly I stand up because it's painful. Now, if God wanted us to be kneeling Christians, then our legs should end here. <laughs> Why did he give us this extra long once? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. If he wanted us to be kneeling Christians, you must always kneel, you must, you must kneel and pray, must kneel, must kneel and pray, kneel and pray, then he, then he would have cut it off here. You know? We should be living on our knees. Brother, you need to live your life on your knees. No, no, man. That's painful. It's not our position. Doesn't mean if I stand and pray, I'm more spiritual, or kneel and pray, I'm more spiritual, or walk and pray, whatever, or sit and pray. In fact, we had, I was in a meeting once. This is the early Pentecostal outpouring, and there was a man who was speaking. In the same meeting, I was introduced to Benny Hinn, for the first time. He was just a young evangelist starting off. This is many years ago. And in that meeting, there was a man, he wore a name tag, and everybody knew him. He was very famous all over the world. They called him Mr. Pentecost, because he was the one who brought about the great charismatic uh, movement all over the world. I mean, he spoke in tongues on television, and people from all denominations began to receive the baptism of the Spirit. So they called him Mr. Pentecost. And in all of his meetings... He will never stand. He will just be sitting. Everybody will be standing, worshiping. He will just be sitting. And so when they asked him, he said, why is it you never stand? He said, have you read your Bible or not? He says, when the Holy Ghost was poured out the first time, they were all seated. (laughs) So he said, I don't want to miss out. I want to be seated. But what I'm saying is it is not the position. It is not the position. It is not referring also to a, a, a place. Because if it was limited to a place, then we all have to live in church. Okay? When we come to church, this is the only time we pray, God forbid. So it's not referring just to a place. It's not referring also to a period. Like certain times of the day. Daniel, in chapter 6, talks about him praying three times a day. David said this, Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17. As for me, I will call upon God, the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. It's, now, it's good to have periods of prayer. It's good to say I'm waking up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. in the morning. I mean, my time, very often, if the Lord wants to wake me up, it's usually 4, 4.40 or 4.44, around that time. Almost every time, it's that time but it's not referring to a certain period where God wants to say something or he wants you to do something. It's talking about more than that, all right? It's not, it's good to have periods of prayer, but he's talking about something more than just praying at certain intervals of our life. What does it mean, all right? Let me share this with you, and this is something that you must remember, the first point itself. Try to get this into your heart. I will acknowledge the privilege. You see, it has nothing to do with status. Whether you are like King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, who began to pray a prayer. Or whether you are a law person like a beggar, like Bartimaeus. Whether you are a, a wife, a housewife, like the woman with the issue of blood. Whether you are, you know, a prostitute or even a thief on a cross. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has to do with the God who desires that all men pray. Listen very carefully, please. Because sometimes we feel we must qualify and we make ourselves, you know, I I must make sure that there's no sin, therefore God can hear me. Listen, I was a sinner when God heard me. God desires every man, even the man on the street, If a person cries out to God, God will hear. This is something we need to understand because our theology begins to somehow say only believers are going to be heard by God only through Jesus. Therefore, you know, the Father will hear us. If I don't go to uh, the Father through Jesus, then then, uh, uh, God will not hear me. Listen, you come to Jesus. How did you come? You came as a sinner. You came to Him first. Come on, are you listening to me? And of course, we want people to get saved. Of course, we want them to grow in the Lord. But what I'm saying is this, every person that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what it means to be, this is the privilege that you and I have. And, And this is what we don't understand. It has nothing to do with our status. It has nothing to do with our vocabulary, whether we can pray well or not, whether we have learned prayers or not. It has nothing to do with it. The thief on the cross just said, remember me. That's all he said. Never attended a Bible school, never attended a Bible study class, never had any of these things, never had church exposure, nothing. Just remember his theology does not fit into a lot of people's minds. How is it possible that this man Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise? How does that fit into our theology? Because we all have all these set things in our minds that, that we carry into, you know, from, from different Christian teachings. And we say, this is how God qualifies us. No, no, no. He qualifies every person. For God so loved the world. So it's, it's such a wonderful privilege. It, being, uh, uh, you know, praying all of the time means that God, not only I qualify, but also that God is listening always. If I I am supposed to pray always, that means He's available always. Come on. Amen. If He wants me to pray always, it means that He is available to us always. And we can come at any given time. He is such a wonderful God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. With Queen Esther, it was different. She had to get the permission of the king before she came in. If he did not stretch his scepter to her, then she would be executed. But with God, there is no such thing. The veil of the temple was torn by God himself. God tore the veil of the temple. It's tore from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. God ripped it open so that everybody can have the privilege now of coming in, no longer just the high priest. That's why I say to you, my responsibility is to preach myself out of my job, so that you don't depend upon, Pastor, pray for me. You now can understand you can come into the presence of the Lord as a child of God and make your request known to Him and He will hear you. What must I do before God hears me? Nothing. Nothing. Just come to Him. Will God hear me? But I've got so many things, you know, so many wrong. It has nothing to do with that. That's why Paul is writing to the church. You want to have a happy life where understand that now I'm not condoning sin. That's not what I'm doing. I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. I'm not condoning it. What I'm saying is that God is always there for you. He wants to hear you talk to Him. You were made in the image of God, not to be destroyed, but to be loved, to be cared for, to be cherished, so that your life can be, uh, can be a full life. I have come that you can have. That's what He said. How many of you believe that? Come on. See, you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that God loves you immensely. In spite of. In spite of. And we always want to think that, you know, I've got to make all things right. No. It's because you need him, that's why, you know, you pray. And when you pray, he will help you make things right. Remember just listening before I came, I was just listening to this testimony. This young man asked, he asked the pastor, he came in for the first time, he says, "Uh, Pastor must I give up pot before the Lord will accept me? And the pastor said, no. And he thought, pastor did not understand. Pastor, must I give up marijuana before Jesus will accept me? Pastor said, no. Pastor, this one, this one, pastor. Must I give this one up before the Lord will accept me? Now, some of you are going like, yeah, man. Pastor said, no. He says serious? He says, yeah. Because when you come to Jesus, he will help you to listen to what he has to say and what is good for you and what is not good for you. How many of you know that your sin does not hurt God in any way? God remains God. My sin hurts only me. And that's why he gets sad or upset or grieved the Holy Spirit when he sees me in a place where I should not be. And so all the time he's saying, now come on, come on out of it, talk to me. Talk to me. Be constant in prayer. What does it also mean? It will also mean that I do not abuse prayer. Because I've got the privilege, do I abuse it? Do I use prayer to manipulate God? Come on. I'm going to fast. Pastors, you know, very often we say, man, if I only fast more. I know of some pastors who fast, they become so thin, they have to dance in the shower to get wet. But anyway, I've got to to really fast. If I fast and pray, then only God. You cannot twist the arm of God. He's already for you, not against you. Come on. And so we don't try to Manipulate God If I do all these things Then maybe God will No, 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 no He loves you Just as you are And if we keep seeking Him He will make us What we ought to become That our lives will be one Rejoicing always And out of a grateful heart Amen It also means I will not abandon prayer Be constant in prayer Prayer without ceasing means Do not abandon prayer when 911 happened churches were packed out. Today churches are empty. What happened? No more 911. Must another 911 happen before people go back to church? Must something bad happen again before people come back to the Lord? Why do we pray when oh, when there's a crisis and then when the crisis is over we completely forget it? So to be praying without ceasing means Even when the crisis is over, I will still continue to pray. Why pray only when there is a crisis? And if we do that, then guess what? You will have quite a few crises because God wants to hear you. And if it takes a crisis to bring you into his presence, then that's what he'll have to do. Allow things to go the way you want it to go and then we meet with this opposition or we meet with this situation where everything is against us then we turn to Him in prayer. Now why do things come against us? Because we do not have Him to help us create a way. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will part the Red Sea for us. Come on. He will open the rivers. He will cause us to walk through on dry land. But because we don't follow his leading, what happens is, he says, okay, you go ahead. Then we come to a block in our life and we say, God, what is happening? And he says, okay, let me create a way where there seems to be no way. But don't abandon it the moment your answers come. And this is the sad part. Suddenly we have prayer requests. Pray for this, pray for that. And very often, now I I know all of us mean well, and please understand something. Just because I do not say on your chat that I'm praying for you does not mean I'm not praying for you. Because I didn't write there, I'm praying for you. And also, I hope just because you put there, I'm praying for you, means you are praying. Come on. you <laughs> No, 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 no. We, we need to, to realize, you know, that God wants us to be in a place where we can trust Him with every area of our lives. Why wait for a crisis to happen? Pray before it happens. Pray so that it will not happen. So that you are prepared in your heart when it happens. Can I hear an Amen. So we are prepared. We are rejoicing evermore. We are rejoicing always, giving God thanks in everything. How do I live that kind of a life? Because I'm praying constantly. So when a situation rises up, I can say, Lord, I just thank you. I can trust you in the situation. Your presence is so real to me. I thank you. There are other people who are surrounding me, and we can pray together. I know I can call upon brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, and I know that they can pray together with me. Lord, I thank you. Your heart is filled with gratitude, Amen. It also means that I will not avo- I will avoid interruptions. In other words, I will not allow anything that will interrupt my prayer life. I will make sure that my I have a clear access towards God. Can I hear an Amen? There is an access, there is an opening all of the time. Nothing blocks my prayer. I do not come there and then suddenly a whole load of things of, I did not forgive this person and and, and this thing is wrong with my life. I better ask somebody else to pray for me. Don't let anything interrupt your flow before God. Let that flow be open all the time so that you know you have an open heaven. It's a wonderful thing to stand in the presence of God and know that you have got access. It's a terrible thing when the enemy comes and tells you things that you know to be true. You're a hypocrite. This is what you are doing. This is this, and, and, and then you give in to condemnation and listening to the voice of the enemy. Don't allow that to happen. The devil came, it says, and found nothing in Jesus. He tried to bring something to accuse Jesus of, but there was nothing. And it's good to have that. Can I hear an Amen. Last of all, I will seek the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It means I will seek because without the Holy Spirit, I cannot be in this, this constant praying thing without the help of the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8 tells us that He is always there to help us for we do not know how to pray like we ought to pray. Now again, I'm not talking about long times of prayer. Don't you for one minute believe that if you prayed for one hour, therefore you are more spiritual. I know people who pray for many hours in prayer. They talk about it. I prayed three hours. I prayed four hours. But they are very condescending, very critical of other people. And they always project this on other people. Why are they not praying like I am praying kind of thing? They do not carry the spirit and the life of Christ inside of them. You should have the joy of the Lord. People who pray will be joyful. Listen, correct me if I'm wrong, all right? But this is what I've seen over the many years as a believer. Many people who call themselves prayer warriors are prayer warriors. They've got three pounds of flesh right up here all the time. Always looking out at people. There's no joy. I never see smiles on their faces. They do not know how to rejoice in the Lord. They're quite critical about this person, that person, this church, that church, the way things are being done, they do not like this. Instead of rejoicing with everything, I rejoice at everything. I really rejoice. The whole younger generation are doing things differently than the way I did it. I rejoice that they are at least coming into the things that God wants them to come into. Let them come into it God, uh, the way God wants to lead them. And I sit back and I rejoice watching what's happening. Hallelujah. Friday night, Jonathan stood here and led in the, our prayer meeting with his daughter. Oh, I thought, man, that's fantastic. This is good stuff. This is great. This is what we want to see. So I've got no worries about the next generation coming up. None at all. Because I know that they will rise up. Come on, amen. And worship God. This is something we need to be rejoicing in. But I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When I pray, I have learned the hard way. I have learned the hard way. Not to depend on my own ability to pray or my language. But to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Little prayers that we pray, little things. It does not have to be long hours. It doesn't have to be long hours. I shared with you about this minister, you know, who was uh, talking to me about how he was so angry with everything that was happening and criticizing this person. They don't have the spirit of Christ. But I said, man, you, you announce to the, all your people from the pulpit. You pray before the, the sound comes up from the other side. The call to prayer, you already are praying before that. You're praying so many hours a day. But your staff, when you walk inside the office, they say the old dragon has come. What is this? You are so angry when you walk inside the office. You never say, good morning, you just walk straight inside. You go, what is this? Is this the Spirit of Christ? Jesus was so filled with joy and fun. Listen, little children ran up to him. If little children are frightened of you, something wrong with you. <laughs> Take care. You always have them. home. Oh. <clears throat> if your own children are frightened of you, you better start praying. Come on. Pray, man pray. God change my heart. Can I hear an amen? Huh? This is what we are supposed to be developing. I, I, you know, I, I look at believers and, and I begin to wonder, do they really know Jesus? Because our lives are supposed to be joyful. We are supposed to be in gratitude all of the time. The thing that hurt Jesus one of the most is, and that's the only time where he questioned, ten lepers came to him. Ten. Send them all away. All ten were healed. One person came back. And Jesus asked a question which he never asked out of never asked at any time. Only that time he asked, Where are the other nine? You can tell the hurt that was inside of him. Were there not ten of you? How is it only you came back? Where were the other nine? That was a real heart-wrenching question. Where? Where are they? Where are the ones who are supposed to be grateful? The ones who can at least say thank you, Lord, for the many things that you have blessed me with. Where are they? Will God find such thankful people even in our midst? Or will he ask the same question? Where are the other ten? The only way I can do that is I have to be constantly in prayer. Can I hear an amen? All right. Would you stand, please? Let's look to the Lord in prayer now.